morning, turn with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel according to John, and we're going to start in verse 19 of chapter 20. Now we've looked at this a couple of Sundays back, actually a few Sundays back, and I want to revisit it again this morning with you. Powerful words of Jesus as we are fast approaching upon Pentecost and words that we once again need to heed this morning. Hear these words, uh, John 20, 19, and through 23. On the evening of that day, this is after the resurrection, the first day of the week, just like today, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold the forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your holy, good, and perfect Word to us. And Lord, may You now sanctify the words we've read to our hearts, and may You make us holy even in this hour we have together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, well, in preparation for sermons, uh, obviously, as I've told you before, you are always the first one that's hit with the Word of God. So anytime anyone else gets convicted, I'm always able to say to them, I got it first. Because it comes to me first, and then I give it to you almost secondhand after it's been filtered through my repentance to God. And it's comical this, this week as some events in our own personal life have unfolded uh, that, that I would be in the middle, and it was pointed out by one of my guys, uh, I'm in the middle of a series on forgiveness. Now the bad thing about series is, is you can't get out of them. It's like playing the Yankees. You may not want to be in a series with them, but once you get in it with them, you're in it for the long haul for the four games or three games that you would play with them. And for me, uh, this thing began with really a quip by me uh, at the first time I talked about it, about forgiveness, the first Sunday that we had together uh, really after, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, and the celebration of Easter. I said to you basically, hey, you know, I really don't, forgiveness is not really something I just really struggle with much. <laughs> and I have to laugh uh, as some events have unfolded at myself uh, for my own stupidity uh, because what Jesus always shows me in my Christian walk is that it's always deeper. It's always under the surface. We can see the surface but it's what's under the surface. It's where it's lurking in that cesspool of sin that we held on to for so long. It's what he drags out. It's what one of my professors used to say. 
every once in a while, God will pull out an old dead cat from the, from the pool and say, what are we going to do with this, Marshall? And that's exactly what's happened to me this week. And so I've revisited again as I've been in the middle of sharing with you. Um, and I have to sometimes, uh, even in talking to Jessica, I have to say, now here's what your husband would do, babe. And here's what your pastor would say. <laughs> as if we were two different people. Because I have to remind myself of what we ought to be about. And that is the work of forgiveness. Which is the title of the message this morning. Because it truly is <laughs> a work. Now, coming back to John and what he says here this morning to us. Um, there are many difficult things in the Bible. If you've ever read through the Bible, you're going to come across many difficult sayings that on the surface, uh, on, a, on a newspaper type reading, you're not going to be able to understand them. You may spend years with one passage wrestling over the interpretation of that passage and never fully come to the meaning of it. You shouldn't despair, but instead be encouraged that the Bible deeply addresses our lives. It is for our lives. This is not just some kind of handbook, some kind of... Uh, instructional book like what you get when I'm putting together a stroller that the directions don't even make sense. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible deeply affects our lives and addresses reality. And so we ought to always turn to the Word of God no matter what we're going through and address, actually let it address us, which is the true meaning of interpretation. We don't give it meaning, but rather draw out its meaning. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a cool term called exegesis. Not Jesus as in J-E-S-U-S, but G-E-S-I-S. Um, which means to draw out the meaning. We don't fill it with meaning, but instead we draw out the meaning. That's exactly what we want to do this morning. Um, even if drawing out the meaning may scare us or... Maybe we don't even like it. Because there's not many, been many passages in the Bible that I've ever read that I didn't just, you know, I hated them or didn't like them, but it was, it's some of them that I didn't want to do. Um, so this morning, listen with me as we look at the Word of God and try to figure out uh, the importance of what He's saying here. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. You see, Jesus has called us to a work. Here He breathes on them the Spirit, and this is right before Pentecost happens. Right before the Spirit is given to all people, and He breathes on them, gives them the Spirit, and says, Now, what is the work you're to be about? Forgiving people. Which is a tough work, because it first means that you must recognize that people are hurting you. People are doing things to you. People, I mean, I went through a lot of my life not caring about people. When you don't care about people, people can't hurt you. And that's why I didn't have much of a problem with forgiveness. is because I didn't really care about people a lot of my life. Early on. And the, the closer I've got to Jesus, the larger my heart has become. Uh, which I thank God for that. Some people have more of a difficulty with forgiveness. And we've talked about this and we've addressed that. 
But the work we are to be about as Christians is to forgive one another, just as the Lord's Prayer says, forgive me as I forgive others their trespasses. And as we've talked about, it means simply, you will be forgiven on the basis of your forgiveness to others. So, if you want to be stingy with your forgiveness, then God will be stingy with His forgiveness. And it has nothing to do with God's attitude toward you. Instead, it has to do with what your heart can receive. Because when your heart is closed, you cannot receive from God. Period. You must have a posture of openness in order to receive God's grace. Not clenched fists. Not covering yourself. But instead, opening your life to none other than Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing one will say is, well, I object to that because my situation is different. (laughs) Isn't that what what we like to think? My situation's... I understand that. Okay, I understand that. But my situation's different. So, let me give you a couple... Well, a few normal objections that we're going to to raise in any given situation. The first one is, well, you don't understand the offense was too great to be forgiven. What they did can't be forgiven. Okay? That's the first excuse. The second one, if they hear me say that I forgive them, they're not going to accept the responsibility. They'll think they're free. Like free willing. Just free to go. Free to go back and do whatever he wants to do. No longer to remain in captivity. I don't think that's helpful for them. I want to keep them in that state of knowing that they did wrong and not releasing them. Number three. They need to know what they did. So that no one else gets hurt. So we throw in somebody else. Other people are going to get hurt. Therefore, I don't need to forgive them because if I do, they'll think they can do it again. These are pretty good ones. I like some of these. Uh, Number four. They don't look sorry enough for me. I don't think they know yet how deep they hurt me. No, it's hard enough to be forgiven. Number five, they aren't asking for forgiveness. They don't even know it's happened. So why should I bring it up? Number six, it'd be meaningless. They're just going to do it again. It's pointless. Number seven, if I forgive, I might have to actually relate to them again. It might open up a relationship again with them. I don't want to do that. Because, by the way, forgiveness always opens up the door of relationship. Which is why the first thing Jesus has to do for us is to what? Forgive us. (laughs) Uh, Number eight. If I forgive them... I'll be a hypocrite because I don't really want to. So therefore, I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
therefore I'm not going to forgive. That's a pretty good one now. <laughs> I, I admit, that's a pretty good one. Now these are coming from Dr. Yuri. He, uh, he had these from a book that he read, and so that's where I'm getting these sources. I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, and then the last one is this. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Alright, so that's the typical common objections that maybe even you have used or I have used in being unwilling to forgive someone. And yet, the words of Jesus continue to reverberate in my mind saying, the only way, Marshall, that you are forgiven is if you forgive. Again, you look back at Matthew during the Sermon on the Mount, which is the pinnacle sermon in Matthew. Jesus says, well, the disciples say, teach us to pray. He teaches them to pray. In there, He addresses this issue. And then right after that, He comes back and says, let me say it again. If you do not forgive others their trespass, you will not be forgiven. It is that clear. So these objections don't stand up. Look, I know there's real enemies in your life. If you read the psalmist, he knows there's real enemies. If you ever want anybody to identify with you and you feel like no one else can, read the psalmist, the writer of the psalms. He can identify it with you if you're jumping for joy or if you're crying your eyes out or if you're angry at God. He is too. He feels your pain which is the beauty of the Psalms, which is why the Psalms are included in even New Testament copies. You're just wanting to buy the New Testament and you buy the Psalms. Why? Because they're necessary for the Christian life. You cannot live without the prayers of the people of God toward God, which is exactly what the Psalms are. They're prayers. These objections don't hold up, and I'll tell you why they don't hold up is because of what we talked about last week, and that is... When we focus on someone else's sins, notice in all these objections, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. It's all contingent upon them. That is not where forgiveness begins. Instead, it starts with you. Because you have been forgiven. And we forget that little thing. In order for you to live a holy life right now, in order for you to be in your moral position that you are, maybe even over that other person, it's only by God's grace that you're there. It's only by His own forgiveness that He has forgiven you of a greater debt than that person could have ever done to you. The greatest debt we owe in life is to God. I mean, our punishment wasn't jail. Our punishment wasn't that we're going to lose a relationship or lose a friendship, but instead our punishment that was upon us was none other than hell. That's quite a punishment to be pardoned from. And yet He did it. And yet He did it from the cross on those who were murdering Him, spitting in His face, had beat Him until He didn't even look like a man. And He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Have you ever said that about somebody? They don't, they're so blinded by sin, they don't even know what they're doing. That's not the way I've heard it addressed. Conniving people, manipulating people, and yet there's something in us that is that same thing. We've done the same things, and we've been forgiven. 
and yet we're very quick to judge. Two wrongs, as Casey reminded us Thursday night at prayer group, two wrongs don't make a right. And the only thing that unforgiveness does is drag us into the mud of their own sin. And Jesus says, give me your hand and I can release you from this. I can bear you up. Think with me of someone in your life who you have trouble forgiving. Because again, (laughs) Peter, being holy as he was, out front in leading the pack of the twelve, says to Jesus, you know what, I'm going to go the extra mile. Jesus, what if, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times? Because remember the requirement was only three for a rabbi. Seven times, is that enough? No, 70 times seven, Peter. Which is not just 490, but instead, don't keep count, Peter. I don't keep count. I'm not saying something to you from some high pedestal, but instead I'm in the trenches of it right now. That's what I'm trying to show you this morning. I'm in the trenches of this thing preaching above my head, which is what we have to do because the Word of God is powerful, quick, quick, alive. In other words, same thing that's in our creed, the quick and the dead, alive, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even me this morning. So people often think, oh man, you know, he's got it okay, he's got it great, because uh, he can teach the Word of God. No. The Word of God first hits me and impacts me. I come repentant already, which is a lot of times why I'm already joyful. Maybe you leave here joyful, I hope, <laughs> uh, after you've been cut by the sword of the Spirit. Folks, this is not something that is easy to do, it's a work. That's why I say the work of forgiveness. But it has to start this morning. You cannot let it fester. You cannot let it spread into bitterness. Instead, come to Jesus this morning. Let me offer something to you. uh, And that is, forgiveness is the opposite of restitutive justice. In other words, the kind of justice you deserve. It's the opposite of that. It's not what you deserve. It's not what they deserve. It's really the parable, remember, where the guys get paid first who work the least amount of time and they get the paid the same amount as the guys who worked all day. And they this is not fair. And God says, well, why can't I do with my money whatever I want to do with it? If I want to bless this guy for working an hour and bless you for working eight hours, what's it to you? It's my money. It's my grace. Did you provide the grace on the cross of Jesus Christ? Do you tell God who He can have grace on and who He can't have grace on? I dare say we have in our lives before. By cutting people off. By withholding the good news of Jesus from some people. I've done it. Cut people off of my life. I'm done with you. 
You're dead to me. And Jesus says, you know what that's called? That's called murder. Because if, if in your heart you've killed your brother, you've actually killed him. According to Jesus. See, people think in the New Testament, you get to the New Testament, and oh man, God made it so much easier for us to follow Him. We don't have to actually follow all those rules. Jesus goes beyond the law to the heart of the matter. And the heart, Jeremiah says, is deceitful among all things in the world. Which means you cannot trust yourself even at your best moments, as C.S. Lewis would give to us in Mere Christianity. Don't trust yourself even when you feel best about yourself. That's probably the most time when you don't need to trust yourself. Forgiveness is the opposite of moral legalism. In other words, requiring on others the same morality as yourself. That's a tough one for me. Because I was raised right... I was raised to do right, and when I see people doing wrong, I want to immediately raise my head above them. Forgiveness is the opposite of that. The opposite of condescending. It's the opposite of karma. Reaping what you sow. So karma is whatever you put into this life, and whatever you do in this life, you're going to reap it in some way. It's going to come back in the next life to either help or hurt. Forgiveness is the opposite of that. Forgiveness is freedom. It's being liberated from the past. Has your past haunted you? Has someone else's past haunted them because of what you did? Forgiveness releases them from that. Forgiveness liberates us from the weight of the past. What an amazing offering. What an amazing gift. And it's exactly what God has done for you. And if He hasn't, then you're still under that burden. Under that weight. I think of Gollum who can only think of the ring. And his body shows it. The decrepitness, the the deformality of his very person shows inside and out the darkness of this weight that is on him. And he can't be liberated. He won't be liberated. But you know what? You can be liberated. There doesn't have to be darkness in your life this morning. You can be freed from the past. What an amazing thought. That is justification in Jesus Christ. It is what we call salvation. It is the only way to God. Period. There is no other way. What other religion offers that kind of forgiveness? There is not one. Not Taoism. Not Buddhism. Not Shinto. Not Islam. Only in Jesus Christ are we offered forgiveness of our sins in this life, now, this morning. That's good news. You see, it's unconditional pardon. And it's what we're also to offer to others. 
Now maybe you've not been about forgiveness for some time in your life. It is time to start the work now. Let me give you three things that must be a part of your day from now on, and that is that forgiveness is a process. It's something that must start now, but is not ever going to be finished in this life. Why? Because relationships aren't finished. As long as you're in a relationship, you're going to have to forgive. Trust me. If you live with me for two days, you're going to have to forgive me. You know, whether it's I get cranky because I've not eaten yet, or I say something that I shouldn't have, uh, you're going to have to be gracious if you're ever going to be in a relationship with me. Um, and a dirty secret is you're the same way. <laughs> you're the same way. But isn't that good news? Because Jesus has provided for us forgiveness and helps us to forgive. It's an amazing thing. And it's the way the world should work. And it's the way Christians must work. This is a process, but it starts now. It starts with Jesus. It starts with going to Him and getting forgiveness of sins so that we may then give it. Again, it's not something... The Christian life is not just about receiving and keeping. The Christian life is like a wave. It comes in and it goes back out. A breathing in and a breathing out. You receive His life and you exhale His life as you live life. If you don't, you will die in your sins. Just like spoiled milk. You can't keep milk forever. It must be drank. It must be used. So too forgiveness. The second thing is not only is it a process, but you must bear it in your hearts. We don't have time to get into it today, but maybe we will next week. And that is the term for forgiveness, uh, one of them most often used is actually bearing. Jesus bore our sins on His body. Most of all, what we need to realize is that we must live the way Jesus lived. How did He live? The way of the cross. Never about Himself. And this morning, you must be willing to come to Him. That's really the greatest stipulation of them all. You must be willing to come to Him. He can bear you up. This is what we've sang about already today. He has already overcome the world. He's already done it. His job is finished if we'll just open our hearts to Him this morning. Stop with our clenched fists, our anger, our resentment, our bitterness, our reasons, our excuses, and release them to God today. I have no excuse, Lord. I am Yours and You are Mine. In Mark 2, the guy who comes down from the roof, remember? Everybody sees that he's paralyzed. That's the surface. But Jesus sees something deeper and the first thing He says to him is, Son, your sins are forgiven. He first releases His soul Does your soul, does your person need to be released from the past? Because it can be. 
He can do that. And when He does that, you'll find a newfound power to forgive others their debts. Forgive others their trespasses, their transgressions against you. If you have not been forgiven, you will never forgive This morning, what He's offering to you is good news, folks, friends. You are the people of God. This news is for you. Receive it with open arms. Receive it with an open heart now. Amen.